You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 997 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. With only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I'm joined on today's podcast by Jared Dubin, good friend of mine and also a basketball writer all over the internet, 538, uh, his awesome Last Night in Basketball newsletter and other places as well. Jared is very smart covering the league at large, but also he grew up a Knicks fan, so a perfect guest in preparation for Hawks-Knicks. He brings some good insight on the Knicks that I don't necessarily have, so that is coming momentarily. Um, full disclosure, I am recording this on Wednesday afternoon. It's not posting until Thursday. But as I've alluded to a few times, I'm traveling this week and I had to stack up some podcasts before I left town. So you're not listening to us until at least Thursday. But I wish I had a schedule to pass along to you right now. It might come out on Wednesday night after I've already recorded this, but I'm sure you can find the Hawks Nick schedule somewhere on the internet. Maybe I've tweeted it at this point in time. But just FYI, that's because uh, I'm recording this early. So also, a reminder to catch up on the shows from earlier this week. I had Tyler Jones on the podcast for two parts. Always fun to talk to Tyler. And then Nate Duncan joined me on Tuesday into Wednesday. That was a fun show as well. Maybe have a bonus podcast on Friday. I am potentially going to add something to my feed there, and uh, we'll see if that arrives. But, but the best way to subscribe to the podcast is to subscribe, basically. <laughs> follow uh, or follow whichever one of those you like to do on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in, Odyssey, all those places that have your podcast content. We should be there, and you can find me there. Final thing before I get to Jared. This is the last time I'm recording, um, at least planned recording. So I'm going to offer my official pick for the series right now before I get to Jared. Um, I am taking the Hawks in six. Now, I think part of that is that the Hawks are on the road. So if you're taking the road team... Uh, Hawks and Six is probably the way to do that in the safest fashion, meaning that the Hawks will close the series out at State Farm Arena. Um, I think it's probably a little bit closer than that. Uh, I don't really understand why the Knicks are getting a lot of the picks. I guess I, I guess I do on some level. They have, they have home court advantage, but I think the Hawks are the better team in this series, which is why I'm picking them. Um, is it more of a 55-45 series or 60-40 series, something like that? Yes, it would not surprise me if the Knicks won this series. They do have home court, and they are pretty good. I think the Hawks, though, are the better team, especially right now with the way that they're constructed and the way they're healthy. And home court, uh, while it definitely matters, I think is a little bit muted this year with a little bit less crowd stuff. The Hawks have been very good at home, which helps, and they can probably hopefully win all their home games to close this out in six games. But I trust Trey Young as the best player in the series. I think that the Hawks have more depth, more quality depth. Uh, I think coaching is probably like a neutral in this series between two guys who I, I do trust, McMillan and Thibodeau, that have their playoff foibles along the way. But I'm going to lean on the Hawks being the more talented roster and, in my mind, the better team and take them in six games. So... I'm on the record. You've not heard that. I've I've tried to defer to uh, my guests and stuff this week, but uh, this is the last time that I am talking into a microphone live anyway before uh, the series begins on Sunday. So that is my final prediction, and hopefully it will come to pass. If you are a Hawks fan, I'm sure you're rooting for that outcome, or even maybe even more of a dominant outcome with Hawks in five or something like that. But Hawks in six, it's on the record. Okay, before we get to myself and Jared, which was, again was recorded on Wednesday, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I am joined now by a friend of mine and a friend of this podcast, Jared Dubin is here. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? 
I'm all right. Um, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, you are the, I would say, the long-suffering Knicks enthusiast slash observer on this podcast today. That's, that's the role you're filling, but you also cover the entire league. I, I almost described you as a fan, but I'm not sure if you still call yourself a Knicks fan at this point. Is that Where are you on that? No, I'm definitely still a fan. I'm not like as crazy as I was when I was younger. Um, like it doesn't ruin my week anymore if they lose <laughs> one game. Granted, you know, they've been losing a lot more than one game a week for quite a long time now. So if it did ruin my week, if they lost one game, I'm not sure I would still be here. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely still a fan. I'm just not as insane as I used to be because, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now. Yeah. And uh, like you said, if you still were living and dying uh, in the last several years, it would have been kind of tough to like operate life if you were still uh, having that kind of, those, those kinds of lows um, with, with this Knicks team in particular. But obviously uh, I trust your analysis and uh, you are a Knicks observer. So that's why we're here today. Um, but I guess I'll just ask you what your temperature is. Like, how are you feeling as, uh, as someone looking for the Knicks and hoping for the Knicks to win? Obviously Hawks fans are not going to be rooting for you in this, in this spot, but <laughs> where's the temperature at uh, up there in New York and where is it at with you? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've said this a bunch of times when being asked that question already, and it's definitely true and people make fun of it and I don't care. Like we're playing with house money at this point. Like, Nobody, not even like the crazy Nick fans expected this kind of season where they're the four seed. It was like, oh, you know, maybe they could compete for a play in. That was like the highest level of Nick fan thinking that this season, like maybe they can get like the nine or 10 seed and try to get into a play in spot. And they've got, you know, home court advantage in the first round. Like they could get swept and like I would still be you know, incredibly satisfied with the way this season went. Like there was a point where, you know, they hit their preseason over under like 50 games into the year or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, they could lose every game the rest of the way. And this has been so much fun. I don't care. Um, and that's sort of still where I am. Like, I, I think it's, I said this on, uh, I was on the 538 takedown podcast yesterday. And I, I think it's actually the most interesting tactical matchup of the first round, just because, you know, you look at the other ones and it's like Clippers, Dallas and Milwaukee, Miami. But we saw both of those matchups last year. Right. So we kind of know at least what they'll look like. Knicks Hawks, I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like on both sides of the floor, because I think both teams had one player who really cracked the other team's defense during the regular season. Um, Julius Randle obviously was ridiculous against the Hawks in three games this year. I think DeAndre Hunter only played one of those three games and they were mostly guarding him with like John Collins and Clint Capella. But I don't know if that's what they want to do or if that's just what they did because Hunter was out or like if Hunter's going to play more and then what do they do with their starting lineup? And then on the other side, in that third game, Trey Young really figured out like the ways he should beat the Knicks defense and have like 14 assists in the third quarter before he got hurt. So I'm just I'm very interested to see what each coach comes up with for those two guys. So like it's it's just really interesting from like the basketball analyst perspective of my brain. And obviously, like, you know, I'd like for the team that I love to win, but also <laughs> like the Hawks are good. And like if they lose to the Hawks, that's not a shame, you know, and like they're I, I did not expect it to be watching this team in the playoffs or to care about their playoff fate at any point this season. So like, again, house money. Yeah. I mean, as much as the Hawks have um, beaten their expectations as well, the Knicks have done so by a, a lot more. The Hawks were supposed to be pretty good and they are, and they're probably better than I, I expected them to be. But the Knicks are, uh, what are they, what are they, uh, they almost doubled their preseason win total. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Whatever they did, it was a, uh, kind of a uh, an amazing run um i, I want to ask you about what you kind of what you just said about the matchup stuff and we'll, we'll go on the hawk side first you, you mentioned trey getting loose in that third game and i think they probably win that third game if he doesn't get hurt they were up eight when he got hurt and i know the uh the whole thing is you know the knicks swept the hawks but i'm not sure that's necessarily indicative of what happened but trey is obviously a hot topic uh you know there's been all kinds of questions since he got since he got in the league and since he got good about how he's going to fare in the playoffs and this is a relatively interesting matchup for the Hawks overall, but especially for Trey, because the Knicks, I think, are a decent matchup for him offensively in this series. But 
what are you expecting, uh, both because it's Trey's first playoff series, but also because of the matchup? So I think defensively for him, the Knicks are like as good of a matchup as he could have wound up with in the first round. Like they don't really have a predator type who you're going to set a ball screen and get, you know, them to hunt him, you know, in isolation and just use their strength on the perimeter. Like maybe they can run that sort of like Rose Randall brush screen at the top of the key and get Randall like some post-ups at the elbow. Like, I think that the Hawks can try to avoid switching that and they should try to avoid switching that. And they obviously have ways to, to counter that. Like maybe you pre-switch and bring Capella up there or Collins up there or whoever, but uh, there's not too many ways for like, you know, so if they wound up with Milwaukee and you had like Drew or Chris or Giannis could all attack him in different ways. I think that's a much bigger issue yep. for them than the Knicks are um, on, on offense. It's interesting because I I think for the from the Knicks defense perspective, their ideal result of every possession is like Trey Young trying to take a floater over Nerlens Noel backing up towards the rim. Like if they could bait him into those every trip down the floor, I think they would be very happy with that. And you know, he there's obviously been a lot of talk throughout the season that he didn't take as many threes this year and started taking more of those floaters and runners and like that's sort of the way Tibbs's defense encourages point guards to play is to get into that, you know, long mid-range area or short paint area. And, you know, Trey has obviously been willing to indulge himself in those shots throughout the season. So that I think would be a good result for the Knicks. But I think in that third game, he found like a better balance of getting into that spot, drawing help and finding somebody. And if he can keep doing that, like I think for him, Using his playmaking is going to be the way to drive the offense in this series, as opposed to him being a scorer, unless he's going to take more of the pull-up threes and fewer of the runners. But, you know, the, the Nick guards, like, they're really, really good at getting over those screens and not giving you the space to pull up from three. Um, so it's how he strikes that balance, I think, is going to be really important. Yeah, I'll be, interested, I'll be interested to see that as well. Like you mentioned earlier, he got loose with a lot of a lot of it was playmaking in that third game where he was kind of carving them up. And, you know, he's, I think, still known nationally more for his scoring, but he was number two in assists. And I think his playmaking is probably still underrated at this point. Um, and they have more they have more shooting and they, they have more uh, options around him now, quite obviously. But with Hunter back and Bogdanovich playing the way that he is, I want to ask you about him, too, because I know you're observing the whole league. What do you make of Bogdanovich in particular? Because he's suddenly become like Clay Thompson offensively in the last two months. I'm not sure how real that is, but he's like shooting off platform and kind of secondary playmaking and kind of being the best version of what the Hawks have been. And I think that's an X factor too, because in the first two games, he kind of was either not playing or was not this guy that he has been recently. I don't want to spoil too much of what I'm writing about oh, him. Sorry. Um, That's okay. No, no. I mean, he's obviously been these last two months or so, he's been terrific. Um, and it started essentially when they put him back in the starting lineup. And, you know, he, he, what did he play the first like four games of the year or something like that before he got hurt and then was out for. Yeah, it was a, like it was a, a handful. Months. I think it was like seven or eight. And then he missed 25 straight games when he, he had this weird avulsion fracture and, and then had a slow start coming back. So, and they also used him kind of strangely under Pierce and um, they were kind of using him as a spot shooter, like a pure spot shooter, which he definitely mm -hmm. can do that, but uh, it's different now. Yeah. I mean, and there was that stretch when Trey was out, when he was just doing essentially everything that was like right after the, the Nick game where he got hurt. Yep. Um, and, and Bogdanovich was doing essentially everything for them. I, I mean, I really like him. There's a reason that, you know, the, the trade of him to the Bucks falling apart was like a huge deal, you know, like he's a really good player, especially next to like a high volume creator, like, like Giannis or like Trey, I, it's just a really good fit for the way he operates. And it's been, I think that's shown through over the second half of the year, just cause he's, he's so able to take advantage of on the move defenses and he's able to shoot on the move himself. And the combination of those two things just works really well when you have someone who creates a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And I think he'll, he'll be an X factor. And then obviously Hunter two is another question about how much he's going to be able to play. And he kind of routed into form a little bit at the end, but it's a small sample size. I think, I mean, you can choose several guys on this list, but there's an argument to be made that Hunter might be the X factor in the series for the Hawks, just because we don't, we haven't seen him play at full go full capacity in like three months. And he was so good before he got hurt. 
And there were little flashes of that, but we just haven't seen it in so long that I'm curious to see how he looks in the series. Yeah, I mean, I also just, I think, ideally, you'd probably want to have him on Randall. Like, I think he's just got a better chance than Collins does, and especially than Capella does. Um, but they didn't really use that even in the first matchup. It was more Collins and Capella. So I'm not sure if that was, like, if that was just what Lloyd Pierce wanted to do and then McMillan didn't have Hunter in the, the second two games. But I'm interested to see if they want that matchup, if he's able to handle it, and then, like, how that changes things for them rotation-wise because, obviously, they caught that rhythm over the second half of the season in large part before he came back. Yeah, that, and that makes sense. Um, before we get to a couple more things that I want to touch on with you on the Hawks side, and we'll get to some Knicks uh, questions as well, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, in addition to the NBA playoffs, which get going this week, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and information on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, of course, NHL, UFC, MMA stuff. Golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, all that you need in the sports world in addition to entertainment odds, political bets, etc. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the greatest sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as your team prepares for the run of the playoffs and even once they get there. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device on today and re- receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The promo code is locked on. 50% welcome bonus with betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone in my favorite flavor right now, anyway. I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. You've got to try the flavors, though. Get a mixed box right now when you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Jared, uh, I wanted to finish up by asking you, uh, kind of just flip it around a little bit. Um, the Hawks defensively against the Knicks in this series, uh, I feel like with Capella on the court, they have a pretty decent uh, alignment, but... Um, Put your put your analyst brain on, and how would you defend the Knicks if you were the Hawks in this series, knowing the personnel available and you know having to hide Trey and all that stuff, like all those factors? What would your game plan be defensively, both on Randall overall, but also just like overall game plan wise defensively? Yeah, I mean, I know that they shot like the third best in the league from three throughout the regular season, but like if it's me playing against these Knicks, like I'm letting literally anyone but Julius Randall beat me, like. <laughs> Yeah, if if the Knicks win because Reggie Bullock and R.J. Barrett and Derrick Rose and you know who and Alec Burks shoot forty five percent from three, like tip your cap, you know, like obviously they shot very well from three throughout the regular season. I think they ended the year. Wow, I'm looking at it now. They tied for second in three point percentage. They didn't take you know enough of those threes. They were tied for 26th in the percentage of their shots that came from three from the behind the three-point line but they shot them really well and i think that you know for me like i'm not letting randall go off you know um granted he's made the right read at the right time and made the right pass basically every time the entire season and um i'm just daring him to keep doing it you know keep doing it and and get and those guys keep making those shots. Like, I don't know how else you could really say you want to guard them. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, 
you kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's the number one question that I keep getting from Hawks fans is basically what's going to happen against Randall. And I, I understand why. I mean, he, he was obviously awesome. I think it was, uh, he was, he had his best numbers against any team in the league this year against the Hawks. And they seemingly had no answers. Like John Collins, I think is better defensively than people think he is, but that's a bad matchup for him. Um, Capella, they don't want him to guard him the entire game. Like I, I think they might try Capella in spots against Randall, but you're not going to ask Capella, which, who does everything else that they do with, on the back line, to go out and guard Randall for 30 minutes, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's ideal. I, th- I think it's also notable that Randall did it against them in different ways. Yep. Like, in one of the games, he had, like, nine or ten assists, and in the other games, he uh, he hit a bunch of threes, and also got like five, six assists. And I think he dropped like 45 points in both of them or something like that. Um, so it, it's it's not like there was just one thing he was doing. And it's like, oh, if we shut down that, we can handle it. Um, he beat them in a bunch of different ways. And obviously that's an issue because if he could do a bunch of different things against you, you don't have really all that much hope to stop him. Um, and it seems batshit nuts to be saying that about Julius Randle <laughs> yeah. after after the way, you know, obviously so many Nick fans felt about him last year, you know, it, which was not great, to put it kindly. Uh, I remember going on Nate's podcast at the start of the season, and we were being like, how does Julius Randle fit on this team? Like, what is the place for him? Is he going to have to come off the bench? Like, what do you even do with this guy? And then obviously, like, every, it's just, oh, everything revolves around him, and he's going to make all NBA. Um, which again is insane. Um, I mean, yeah. while, while we're here, I, I want to ask you because he's been so good all year long. I was watching the Hawks next games back and some of the shot diet is just wild. Like I'm not trying to say he's, uh, it's not, it's, that's not sustainable, but what do you make of this just broadly from Randall? Like, can he actually sh- shoot this way and like make, this level of threes and uh, create offense at this level. Long. I mean, I know he's just done it for a full season, so I guess he, I guess he can. But I, I watched some of these, even just the, even just the Hawks games, and I'm thinking, man, these are not easy shots that he is making um, relatively consistently and from 26 feet. It's pretty wild. Yeah, he subsisted on an absolutely ridiculous diet of tough, contested shots off the dribble and off the catch for the entire year. It makes no sense. (laughs) Okay. So it's not just me. I I mean, my brain just won't like allow me to think that this is a hundred percent real just because you watch it and it's like, man, these are really shots that only the elite guys can hit consistently or even somewhat consistently. And he's done it for the whole season. So credit to him, but it's just wild to watch. Yeah. and, And I mean, especially like, the, the threes obviously have been the big story throughout the year because sure. I think he shot like 27, 28% or something like that on threes last year. And this year he's up above 40 um, on, you know, a considerably higher volume. I think he might have made more threes this season than he did in his entire previous career combined. If it wasn't more, it was pretty close. Um and, and he took fewer the, fewer of them, obviously, because he shot a considerably better percentage this year. But, I mean, the, the tough contested twos that he's hit throughout the entire season, it, it's like a pretty remarkable di- display of shot making throughout the whole year. I mean, he was shooting, you know, in the mid-40s on really, really tough looks from mid-range, and a lot of them, too, you know? Right. Like, he, he shot more threes than ever before this year, but he also got to the rim less often than ever before this year and by like a lot, um, like half as often as he did previously in his career, you know, just in terms of a percentage of his attempts. So the the fact that he scored at such a higher level, it's, it's wildly impressive. First of all, it's the kind of thing that seems like it has no business being sustainable on on any level and it just was throughout the year like it's you know the highest usage rate of his career and like the things that he was able to do from three and then off the dribble as a shooter opened up everything for him in terms of being a playmaker and he just made the right reads consistently and made the right pass at the right time consistently throughout the year like I could count on my hand the number of times where I was like 
you know, that looked like last year's Julius Randle, where he just drove into a crowd of four guys and there was never even a thought of passing it. You know, that happened all the time in his first season in New York. And that just really was not the case this year. Like if, if the three point shooting sticks, then I think you can replicate a lot of what he did throughout this year. It's the off the dribble stuff where he's like fading away to his right or spinning and then fading away to his left. And I mean, the, the, the ability to go right, I think also obviously was a huge thing for him this year because in previous years when he would go right, he would always go to the spin move back to his left. And this year he added, instead of doing that, when he planted that foot, he just added like a fadeaway going to his right. And it became one of his best shots throughout the year. And that's sort of the counter to the spin that he had always had throughout his career. And like, if you have those two, two moves and the ability to shoot from three and you make the right reads and pass like he did this year, like you're going to be really good. You know, do I think that the baseline for him for the rest of his career is like, you know, 22 or 24, 10 and six. No, but it's probably a lot closer to that than it was before the year. You know, um, you know, if he could be like a, 20 10 and four and a half guy that's still really good you know oh yeah i mean uh, i looked it up to your point uh he made eight fewer threes this season than he did his in the rest of his career it was 168 to 160 so and that was five full seasons before this <laughs> so yeah I mean, pretty pretty insane um okay i'm gonna flip it around here and ask you uh, you're uh, from the Knicks side what is your biggest concern in this series if you're the Knicks? Like, where is the Hawks' biggest strength or biggest advantage that you see? I think it's in, like, the first six minutes of first and third quarters. Is that Alfred Payton style um, right there? That- yeah, I mean, they've just been getting demolished in those minutes over the last, like, third of the season or so. And it's pretty incredible that they wound up, you know, winning a bunch of those games anyway just because their bench, both in the mixed units when Rose and Gibson come in together at first – and then in the full bench unit, when they bring in uh, quickly and Burks and Obi Toppin, like that unit, the five-man bench unit has just been destroying teams. And the, you know the, the mixed units where it's you know Rose, Gibson, Randall, Bullock, and Barrett, th- that unit is destroying teams too. And you can get away with that against some teams in the regular season if you're starting off every game down six, eight points in the first six minutes in the playoffs. I think that can come back to bite you. Um, it's it's that and it's then um, does the ridiculous shooting display that they put on over the second half of the year stick around, you know, like there was nobody in there. Like people thought that this was going to be legitimately like the worst three point shooting team in the league this season, yeah. myself included. A lot of smart people thought that. And again, they wound up tied for second with the Nets in three point shooting this year behind only the Clippers who had the best three point shooting season, I think ever for a team. So uh, in terms of the percentage that they made, um, not in terms of the the number that they made, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's those two things. And then it's like, did Trey really just crack the defense in that third game and know exactly what he needs to do. And he's just gonna, you know, sort of toy with their rotations as he did in the second and third quarters until he got hurt of that third game of the year. Like, if he really cracked it and there's just nothing you could do about it, I don't know how the Knicks keep up scoring with them. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. Um, oh, I actually got this question. I can't remember who it was now. I just blanked, but I, I actually found it a way to ask you instead of trying to answer it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, those These last three games that the Knicks had where they kind of walked the tightrope and they won them all, but they didn't play very well in any, any of those three games. Uh, does that concern you that they're not playing at their best right now? Or is that just like, you know, I almost said April noise. I guess it's May noise this year with these way the schedule was, but do you care at all about the Knicks? Like maybe not playing their best at the end of the season? Um, I mean, it's not really been shown that how you play down the stretch of the season. Like I can't remember who wrote it a few years ago, but it was like, I think it might've been. There's a, yeah. There's a, there's like a greater correlation between your performance in the first 20 games of the season and the playoffs than there is between your last 20 games of the season and the yeah. playoffs. So, And and I think especially this year, the way teams play, like with so many guys coming in and out of the lineup at all times, um, I'm not like worried that they didn't perform that well in the last three games of the year. I'm more 
worried, if you could say that I'm worried, that um, that they've been starting off games so poorly and that um, I don't think their defense was quite as tight down the stretch of the year as it was in the first 50 games or so. Some of that is they went on like a six-game road trip um, and there were a couple games where Noel was out where no, where Noel was out, where he went out early with an injury and then he missed one game too. So they were it was like, you know, playing Gibson too many minutes and playing Norvell Pell and playing Kevin Knox, um, guys that I don't think will play really obviously in the playoffs. I guess my other worry uh, would be that Tibbs is just going to only play the veteran guys and he's not going to get like the potential offensive ceiling that they could get if they throw quickly out there for 25 minutes. Yep. Um, Obviously, Tibbs is not one to trust younger guys. And, like, if Obi Toppin doesn't play his seven minutes in the first half or is, <laughs> is sometimes three minutes in the second half, I don't think that's that big a deal. No. Like, their their big man rotation of Randall, Gibson, Noel was really good for them throughout the season. Um, I, I do think that quickly gives them something different just in terms of the ability to shoot off the dribble at the guard spot from – from Peyton, obviously, and then from Rose, who his shooting off the dribble is more in like the the floater and mid range ranges. Although he did shoot well from three with the Knicks this year, on um, not that high a volume, but he shot very well on them. And um, I could definitely see like you know Randall, Barrett, Bullock all playing like 38, 39, 40 minutes a game, and then you know Rose playing 30 minutes a game, Noel and Gibson sort of splitting the center minutes, and then you know, quickly and Burks playing like, or I guess Burks more, you know, I, I'm just, how is he going to handle the, the minutes? The, is pa- always the, the, Alfred, the Alfred Payton elephant in the room. Like I was going to ask you that specifically, yeah. like not that anybody, not the Hawks fans are paying that close attention to the Knicks, but Alfred Payton has been uh, not popular with Knicks fans that I've seen. Um, and there's a reason he's not, I don't think he's particularly awesome and they have not been very good when he plays, but is there a chance Tibbs just keeps doing that? Or maybe he makes an adjustment mid-series? Because I assume in game one, he's going to play Alfred Payton and see what happens. Yeah, I think that he, if he was going to change the starting lineup, he would have done it by now. That's what I you thought know, too, Pey- yeah. Peyton started the entire season. So it's, it's not like he was just recently starting. Um, the only games he didn't start are the ones where he missed with injury. Um, like 99% sure of that. Pretty sure he started all of the games that he played. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't expect that he's going to suddenly come out like, and, and Rose is starting in game one or something like that, or, or even game two, three, four, five, six, or seven. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, do you the, wish, do you wish it would? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like for me, like, I think you could start Burks. Like he's played point guard down the stretch of games for them and it's worked really well. I think, you know, if you want to play a guy, you know, seven, eight minutes at the start of the game and then not for the rest of the half, like at least play Nilakina, who's much better on defense, you know, like if you don't want to start, rows are quickly because you like them coming off the bench to run the offense or just the way that they found a rhythm together coming off the bench, like start one of the two other guys, you know, like it, it's Peyton in addition to being like the object of fans ire has just been so bad for the last few weeks. And I mean, a lot of it is just like, it's a chicken or egg situation. Is he only playing like the first six minutes of the, of each half and then not playing again because he's been bad or is he only playing like, or has he been bad because he's only playing those first six minutes and then not getting a chance to do anything else? Sure. Like, I don't really know. Um, I also don't particularly care cause he's been <laughs> bad and like, you can't, you can't just keep starting off every game down seven, eight points. Like I said, um, I, but again, I don't think that it's going to change. Um, maybe they do a bit better in those minutes. Who knows? Um, it's sort of how the rest of the minutes get divvied up. Um, I guess that's more of a concern if they make it beyond the first round, like can Randall play 42 minutes a night for multiple rounds? Can Barrett do the same thing? Like there was a stretch when Burks was out where RJ was playing like the first 16 minutes of the game. 
I mean, he was regu- he was regularly in the low to mid forties for a while there, which is just in the regular season, especially this regular season, that just seems wild. But I, it's just yeah. There were a couple of games where he played forty five minutes. He came out <laughs> for three minutes in the second quarter and played the whole second half. Yeah. Like I mean, Tibbs, man, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, and, and look, like the dude seems like he can handle it. I'm somewhat concerned that he's gonna like turn into Luol Deng and like Tibbs might almost kill him at some point, three or four years down the line. But he seems like he can handle it for now. But, you know, Randall led the league in minutes per game this season. I think Barrett might have led the league in total minutes because he played one more game. Uh, he did not lead the league in total minutes, but he was pretty close. I think, Rand- I think I th- they, they, they might have been 1-2. I think they were 1-2 in total minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which, which is pretty it's wild phenomenal. in itself, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to go on the Tibbs rabbit hole. Uh, I've taken up a lot of your time. I have I have two more questions. Uh, number one, this is kind of an unfair one, but if you had to pick one factor slash matchup, something that will decide the series, which seems like everyone thinks it's going to be a pretty close series, what's that thing that you're like would, would say is going to swing the series? I don't know that it's specifically one matchup as just like how do each of Randall and Trey handle the different looks that the the other team throws at them. And yep. are they actually going to throw them different looks? Like, are the Knicks just going to play, you know, that Tibbs style defense and just be like, you want to take floaters, take floaters. And we're not going to help off shooters. And we're not going to help off Capella. And like, if you want to take floaters and pull up 18 footers, all series, go right ahead. Um, I, I think that's how Trey deals with that. And then like, are they going to throw, Hunter and Gallo and uh, Capella and Collins and anybody else. Solomon Hill. (laughs) Hill, Snell. Like, how many different things are they going to try on Randall? How do those things work? How does he respond to them? And then just, like, if and when those doubles come, will he continue making the right pass, which I think at this point we should be pretty confident that he will, and then will those guys continue hitting the threes that they've hit through the season it's 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 less of a specific like player versus player matchup than just how will those guys handle being baited into doing specific things and will the teammates be able to take advantage of that yes somebody asked me yesterday um if it was just going to be as simple as who plays better in the series between Trey and Randall. And my answer was like, it's never that simple, but also like that isn't the worst idea in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think it's more, um, do the Knicks shooters continue to make shots and does Trey indulge himself too much in floaters over Nerland's Noel than like who plays better sure. out of Trey and Randall. Cause I, you know, like, if Bullock and Barrett and Burks and quickly are continue hitting those threes, like they have a really good shot to, to keep up offensively with what the Hawks can do to you. Um, and if, if Trey comes down and he, you know, fakes a floater over Noel and kicks it and d- dishes to Capella and they start getting dunks and then that opens up other things for him, then they have a really good shot to just like really take it to, the Knicks defense. Um, so it's, it's, it's a balance between those things. Like obviously other guys are going to be incredibly important. Like, you know, if, if Kevin Herter's on RJ Barrett, can he take advantage of that with his strength? For example, you know, like those kind of things. Um, and I guess, do you want to put Hunter on Randall? Do you want to put him on Barrett? What do you do if Rose starts getting into the paint all the time all of a sudden? Um, I guess that's another kind of thing that could be pretty important. Um, what What do you think they're going to do against Rose? I think it depends on who's on the court. Um, I, I think I, they've actually been using Kevin Herter on point guards a lot, and he's done a pretty mm-hmm. decent job with it because, you know, his biggest weakness defensively is his lack of strength, which doesn't play up mm-hmm. as much against point guards um, when he has the size advantage, but there's also the question of like, what do you do with Trey? Like you have to, obviously you don't want Trey on Rose. You want him on like Bullock or Peyton or whoever else you can hide him on. But it's an interesting question because it's all lineups. You know, Hunter is their, honestly their best guard defender, but in this series, I, I would imagine Hunter will be guarding Barrett or Randall when he's on the floor. I, that's my guess. But maybe if Rose has got it going, you throw Hunter on him just to like, pour, like, you know, pour cold water on it. I don't know. There's a lot of matchup questions that I have and not a lot of answers at least for now. 
Yeah, I, I think like with the starting lineup, like if they if they keep the same starting lineup where it's like uh, Trey, Herter, Bogdanovich, Collins, and Capella, like I think I'd still put Trey on Peyton. But like when Rose is out there, I might put Trey on Bullock. And, and Herder on and her on Rose. That's, on what, that's what I would do. Yeah. Or Herder oh. on Rose. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, but. And also, it's the question is, are they going to start Hunter? And I, they have. I mean, they they did it in the finale, but that didn't matter. Um, but if he's not restricted on minutes, they probably will start Hunter. I think, but mm-hmm. McMillan's not going to tell anybody what he's going to do. He's uh, right. famous for not revealing anything, even even in his pregame, he's not going to say anything. So we'll see. But my suspicion is, and this is it's more of a guess, but I think if Hunter is you know able to play thirty minutes, they're probably going to start him. Yeah, and I I think that's what I would do too. Like. And I think, would you would you still put Trey on Peyton there, or would you put Bogdan on Trey on Peyton and Trey on Bullock, and be like, if you want to like run your offense through Reggie Bullock, go ahead. That's kind of what, um, yeah, we talked about this a little bit with with Nate and I yesterday, and I feel like there's two there's two schools. Basically, do you want Peyton to be able to run pick and roll, and they can get they can get Trey in more actions if he's guarding Peyton if they want to. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bullock, you, you have to chase him, which is not Trey's strength, but you figure he'll be really, he'll be dialed in into the playoffs, try to stay connected. And like you said, um, if Reggie Bullock beats you, then you got to kind of shrug. Unless he, if, if he's got it going, that might be something different, but he's not going to be the guy who, you know, initiates the offense. It's more of him coming off screens and stuff. So I, I kind of lean to Bullock, but I also understand, particularly when, when Peyton is playing, like it's an easy place to put Trey he and he's kind of used to guarding point guards like like that too and I don't think he'll get torched it's just if you put Peyton and Randall in a pick and roll and you have to deal with that action it might not be great yeah I think it's also it might be easier to avoid a switch on a pick and roll than to avoid Trey getting caught on like a dribble handoff and just not being able to contest Bullock at all um like if he just runs into Randall or Noel on a handoff like he's not getting through that he just doesn't have the physicality to do that. I do think that there are ways you can avoid a switch on a pick and roll though, especially against like if it's Peyton or if it's Rose and you're like, you want to shoot a pull up three, like be my guest, you know? Yeah. That all makes sense. It's a little bit more difficult if it's quickly, but I don't think they would put him on quickly anyway. No, I I don't. I think they're going to hopefully have Trey guard, basically Peyton or Bullock or, I don't know. That might, that might be it for this series if they can help it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, there's, I guess, a question of what you do if he's on the court against the Rose quickly backcourt. I think you'd probably just rather have him on quickly because he's on the ball less. Yeah. I think um, I would not want him on Rose if I could help it. Just because, not that I, you know, I'm not the biggest Rose guy, but I think that's kind of juicy for Rose if he sees Trey and. You can, I think he'll get him in some bad spots. And one of the big questions in the whole series is how much both sides are going to like match up on. I mean, it's the playoffs and I Hawks fans are not used to this in the last four years, just like Knicks fans aren't, but like guys that have weaknesses, they get exploited and Trey, the, it's a big question. We'll see what Trey can do. And I think he actually has been a little bit better this year, but the playoffs are just different. Gallo is the same way, by the way. I know you have seen Gallo play for a long time. Oh yeah. Gallo is going to get targeted in the series, <laughs> I think. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think especially when Randall's on the court with second with the second unit lineups, like I think that that's a really good matchup for him to be able to exploit. Like Gallo is stronger than he looks. He's not nearly as strong as Randall, and obviously a lot slower. Uh, so there's not a whole lot. Yeah. yeah, Gallinari's biggest thing defensively is that he is strong and he usually is in the right place. But if you have a, someone who's stronger than he is, and obviously everyone's quicker than he is, that gets to be uh, not ideal. Anyway, we could, we could do this, we could do this for, for two hours, but yeah, uh, I was gonna say it's it's interesting that neither team is necessarily perfectly set up to hunt the other team's no worst worst defenders, and that's why it's um, honestly that's part of the reason why it's such a coin flip for me is that every time I see a matchup that might be interesting, it's like oh well, this is not perfect for them to kind of take advantage of, and I think that's part of the reason also that. Both teams, I think, if you gave them true serum, would have chosen this opponent. <laughs> of, oh, the, yeah. of the available options, they would. This is the matchup that they probably both wanted. So, I don't know. Coin flip. It's also like, um, I, I think the Knicks have fewer guys you can target to begin with. Yeah, that but sounds the Hawks right. also have like, they have that rim defense with Capella, where like, if Trey gets targeted and somebody drives past him, like 
you got a bunch of ways to help. Um, the the Knicks defense is more system based, obviously, and just everybody working their asses off, and that works really well, obviously. But the, it it leaves fewer guys to target. Like the most targetable guy might be quickly just because he doesn't have the strength. But even he was pretty good for a rookie on defense. Yeah, and you know the numbers are what they are. But when Capella's on the court, the Hawks are good defensively, and it's you know he's kind of a one man wrecking crew in a lot of ways. And he covers up for a lot, which is it's just huge. And uh, how how much he can play, I'll be interested in. Like he played thirty minutes a game this this season, which was the right decision. But I don't know what he's going to be able to push to. Like, is he going to play thirty seven minutes a game in the series? I don't I don't know. So and then I guess like, do they go small with Collins at center in the minutes that he doesn't play, or are they going to trust a Kongwu out there, or you know anybody else out there? I have a big question about that too because McMillan is not quite as Tibbs level in terms of not trusting young guys but i i have a question about whether they're going to play a Kong. I, I don't know so uh, it's also like the knicks always play big i mean i guess you can technically call it a small lineup when toppins out there because they really just use him as a spacer and not at all as a role guy because he really can't be when he's because he's almost exclusively out there with taj gibson who like is not spacing the floor obviously so that does provide like if you want to go small against that group like i think you can put a congo out there against gibson like it's not like he's the most threatening offensive player in the world but they also tend to have randall out there with that group a lot so who knows yeah um lots of factors uh i guess final question while i get out of here is uh do you have an official prediction that you've made or are you trying to hold that out for something else because uh Um, i actually gave mine before i brought you in for the first time i am on the record as hawks and six although that's just like the what you pick when it's a road team. Like when it's the underdog, you have to pick six because that's just kind of – so it's not like I'm saying the Knicks, uh, the Hawks are a big favorite. It's just more that that's what you have to do when you pick the lower seed. Yeah, I mean, I would be pretty confident uh, incredibly in the Knicks in a game seven. Wow. Just because the Garden would just be like <laughs> – I'm going to quote you on that, just... by the way. I'm going to quote you on that. Jared Dillon would be confident in the Knicks in a game seven is something that I didn't hear you. I, I, I wasn't sure I'd ever hear you say. So yeah. <laughs> I was not sure I'd ever hear myself say it either. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's the closest first round series. Um, and that's, I think that's a pretty common opinion, you know, league wide. It's like, there's a part of my brain where it's like, I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Knicks. I think they can win it. And then there's a part of my brain that's like, they're still the New York Knicks. Like, (laughs) how can you possibly pick them to win a playoff series? And there's part of me that also just doesn't care because this season has been so fun. And like, I can't, I couldn't even possibly imagine any of this happening at the beginning of the year. But the overwhelming part of me just wants to see what happens because I think that it's the most, again, I think it's the most interesting tactical matchups series in the first round. And I'm just really excited to watch it. Yeah. um, You know, it wouldn't be the best thing for the Hawks, but I would certainly love to see a game seven. It would be entertaining as a, uh, an objective observer, or at least someone trying to be objective. Uh, A a, a game seven of a tight series at Madison score garden would not be the worst thing. I think the Hawks have to try to finish before, before that, because that would not be a great situation, (laughs) but um, yeah, I think it's pretty tight. I mean, I don't think it's offensive. At least it shouldn't be. I know Hawks fans would be offended, but people to pick the Knicks is not like offensive. Uh, they're uh, they're good this year and well coached. It's, it's and a that. four five series. You yeah. know, like you can't be offended if someone picks either team to win. They right? have this. They have the same record, uh, which which is kind of a good encapsulation of what's going on I here. I think they have the same the same record, the same home record, the same road record, and the same point differential. Yeah, I mean, they're not rating is if it's not the same, it's basically the same. It's like within a couple of tenths of a point. No, so. I'm looking at it right now. Is it exactly the same? Yeah. 41 and 31, 25 and 11 at home, 16 and 20 on the road, both plus 2.3 point differential, <laughs> and both 7 and 3 in the last 10 games of the season. I mean, it doesn't get much tighter than that. And every single Vegas book is basically like coin flips. So, yeah, pick whoever you want, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I mean, basically, happens. you're either picking Hawks and six or Knicks and seven. That's essentially what I think. I mean, there are a couple of people that have gone differently than that, but I feel like that's, if it's me, I, I can't imagine picking anything else but those but those two results in the series. Would it would it shock you if it was just like every team, both teams won all their home games? 
No. I mean, not you know, at all. Like, I mean, the, Haw- the Hawks actually have the longest active home winning streak in the league. They've won like 11 in a row at home. I'm not sure how much that matters, but they're 18-2 and two in the last 20 at home. Some crazy. No- I mean, they're, they've been dominant at home, a part of that schedule and stuff, but they've been good at home. Yeah, obviously, MSG is MSG. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I do know, I'm pretty sure that they just raised the um, the cap in terms of how many people you're allowed to have yeah, I read in the that. garden. The Hawks are going up um, too, not not quite as high, I don't think, but they're like going up like, like I don't know, 50% or something like that, 45%. So. Yeah, I think they're up to like 35 or 40% capacity in the garden. It's, it'll, it's it'll be, one of the arenas with fewer seats, um, just relatively, because it's older, obviously. They redid it, but still. Yeah, there'll be some atmosphere in either place, and it should be fun. Well, uh, you give me more time than I asked for, which I appreciate, sir. Um, please plug anything you got going on. You wrote at 538 that I was uh, trying to share this morning, but anything else you want to get out there, please share. I know you uh, teased a Bogdanovich thing coming. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote about uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green today at 538. That's up on the site now. Um, I guess, like, if you really want to, you can follow me on Twitter. I don't advise it. You should. I'm not, like, telling you to do it. <laughs> but you can do it I'm if telling you, you to want do it. to. I'm telling you to do it. And that's where, you know, I'll send out all my work. Um, and I'm I'm writing about Bogey uh, for next week, I believe. There you go. Uh, and also your newsletter is uh, fantastic. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's, is it a newsletter? I guess it is. Yeah, I guess. It's Last Night in Basketball. Um, I'm bringing it back today because I finally finalized my move yesterday. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm just moving down the hall, and it was way too much of a hassle considering the distance that I'm moving. The new place is literally like 30 feet away. And it was such an annoyance to deal with my building to move down the hall and that it took like a full week to figure out all the different logistics of it with the lease breaking and the, oh, you know, the, how much of a double rent do I have to pay for an overlap? Cause you have to give a certain number of days advance notice, like, it was much more annoying than it needed to be. And I finally finalized it yesterday so I can get back on last night in basketball. I'm actually like halfway done with today's entry before we jumped on this podcast. Well, congratulations on the move. And uh, hopefully you can settle in before Sunday game one Hawks Knicks. You can, uh, Try not to panic too much about the Knicks. I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll probably hit you at like the third quarter on Sunday. That the Knicks Honestly, are game one. I am not panicked. Like, Good. and I'm not going to panic. Like, Again, I I keep saying it. It's house money at this point. Like, I can't believe that any of this happened on any level. Like, from the Knicks being in the playoffs to anything having to do with Julius Randle to R.J. Barrett being literally the best three-point shooter in the league over the second half of the season. (laughs) Made, like, 45% of, like, five-and-a-half threes a game, which makes no sense on any level whatsoever. Like, it's just, I couldn't be more thrilled with how much fun all of this was. And, like, if they lose in the first round, they lose in the first round. If they go to the second round, great. Get to, like, play against the Sixers and all the Philly idiots uh, in the the next round. And I can, you know, start talking to some of my friends from school and from everywhere else where I'm just, like, this you know get to make fun of them about the Sixers and like if the Knicks take even one game I would be thrilled you know <laughs> absolutely no uh, it should be fun and uh, thank you for all the time my friend enjoy the series uh, maybe I'll beg you to come on at some point if there's something uh, flashing and interesting to talk about again but uh, thank you again please follow Jared's work and uh, yeah that'll do it for me I guess unless you have any final thoughts we can part ways no I'm good man thanks for having me uh, happy to come back whenever you want Thanks, Jared. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Again, follow Jared's work, and we'll see you all next time.